Imagine being able to walk through the interior of an historic cello or a grand piano or even a didgeridoo. Using special probe lenses and high-resolution cameras, Kiwi cellist and photographer Charles Brooks takes us right into the heart of all kinds of musical instruments. The extraordinary blown-up images he's created make the spaces feel vast, as if you're walking into a room or even a cathedral. We've got a gallery of images from Charles's ongoing architecture and music series on our webpage rnz.co.nz slash standing room only. They are jaw-dropping, so no wonder that they're attracting international attention. Well, Charles Brooks made a name for himself taking unconventional portraits of musicians from around the world, and he was also an in-demand orchestral cellist. Charles, I'm going to start in a way with a technical question, but I've been wondering about this since I started looking at your photographs. If you had two cellos, this is the instrument you, you know best and love, if you had two cellos, same age, same maker, would the story that they tell when you film their interior be different, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it depends a little bit on how old they are. Part of the the thing that I absolutely love about the Lockie Hill cello that I photographed in at the String Instrument Company a while back, you know, it's 240 years old. And when you peer inside it, you're seeing not just the, the tool marks of the maker, but you're seeing the repairs that have been done over the centuries. So there's there's cracks that have been patched up. There's little bits of new wood. There's all kinds of things that are, are going on inside those instruments that are, are sort of telling the story of, of where they've been and what's happened to them. You know, it's a special thing for me because, you know, I was a, a concert cellist for... I think 20 years as a, as a professional career in orchestras all around the world. And in that time, with the thousands of hours of practice that I did, I think I only saw inside my own cello twice. And that was when it was going in for major repairs. And, you know, it's just something you don't get to see. You can be so intimate with an instrument and yet never really know a good portion of the instrument you're not familiar with. So getting that, that glimpse inside is really quite a thrill for me and hopefully for a lot of other people. It makes such sense, reading about your story, that you've come to this because um, you were already a cellist, I think, at 15 when you picked up your camera. And both, I think, have been passions that have held your hands along the way since then. Yeah, absolutely. So I picked up my camera early. I got really into it, but I, I sort of put it aside for quite a while, you know, when you want a, a career as a professional classical musician, you've got to dedicate everything to that because it's it's just so competitive. So the camera had to sort of take second place. But, you know, as my career took me around the world, I found myself in some really odd places. So I, I was with an orchestra in China and we ended up playing for the military a lot. So they'd fly us out to strange areas, Karame and Kashi on the borders with Kujikistan and Uzbekistan. And, you know, I couldn't be in these places and, and not pick my camera up again. Um, so that, that love of it was sort of rekindled as my, my career grew. And then eventually, you know, I got to the point where I think I'd kind of burnt out a little bit. I was with a, a, an extremely good orchestra in Brazil, the Sao Paulo Symphony. But it was a, a very, very high-pressure job. It was sort of like living the movie Whiplash every day. Um, so the camera started to just sort of take over. It was my, my way to relax. It was my way to escape from that pressure. And, of course, I started to turn it towards 
the things I was intimate with, the things I knew, which were, were music, musicians, and eventually their instruments. Talk me through the technology, because I'm, I'm reading about special probe lenses and high-resolution cameras that make this possible. But when, when did you have the technology and the thought about visiting inside instruments? So the thought's been there for ages, and I, I sort of had to wait for the technology to catch up. There's a, a lens by a company called Lauer that I use that's like a long sort of snorkel that lets you get into some very tight places. And it's, it's not without its limitations. Um, there are a lot of things going on in these photos. Uh, one of the main things is that, you know, they look large. Uh, that was my sort of idea behind these photos, to make it look as if these are spaces that you could walk through, you know, touch the surfaces of the walls, stroll through the, I guess, heart, the soul of the instrument. But there are, there are technical difficulties with that, because normally when you photograph something very small, with a, a macro lens, the background blurs out really quickly and, you know, anything in front of it. So just the thing you're focused on is in focus. So whenever we see a photograph that, you know, has a blurred background like that, we tend to assume it's small. So I was looking at that, it's called a tilt shift effect, and I thought, I wonder if the opposite would hold true. What if you took a photo of something really, really small but it was sharp all the way from the front of the camera all the way to infinity. And to do that, I had to shoot in a very special way. So these photographs, they're not single shots. Typically, you know, for the photos of the piano, I think some of them are about 130 photos put together. So I've actually taken a photo with the focus very, very close, moved it a little bit, taken another, taken another, taken another, until I'm, my focus is all the way at the back and then very painstakingly put them together in, in Photoshop and various bits of software. And the result, because everything is in focus, your brain thinks, well, this can't be small, this must be a large space. And so you get this feeling that you can, can walk through it, you get this feeling that you're looking at some kind of maybe modern architecture, which is, is what I named the series after the, the architecture in music. Yeah, particularly, I think, with the pianos. And my gosh, you've had a lot of fun <laughs> with these different pianos. But it is very architectural, and it does feel like, you know, some of those shots look exactly like buildings. Yeah, I, I've got a lot of people saying, you know, they want to walk through it. A, a surprising number of people say they want to skateboard through them, which is an interesting one. But um, I just love the idea that, that people are imagining that they can inhabit that space. And, you know, for me as a, as a musician, thinking about those spaces, thinking about all the vibrations that went through that instrument that created all those concertos over the, the centuries in some cases, that's kind of thrilling. You just imagine yourself being in there with those vibrations sort of coursing through you. Was the first project you undertook a cello? No, actually, it ah. was the saxophone, um, because the cello was, was too difficult to, to access. So... The saxophones happened with a, a wonderful group called Nage Music Italia back during lockdown, the first lockdown. And I was looking, you know, thinking, what on earth can I do? Uh, no one can have portraits. Um, I've got to find another project. And I was looking around at product photography and I saw this new lens and all that, those thoughts about what does the inside of these instruments really look like, it sort of came flooding back. And um, I went in there and experimented and we had some, some wonderful shots. 
as we've gone along, trying with different instruments, it becomes more difficult because they don't always have a, a handy kind of hole in the place that you're looking for. So I have to work with luthiers, work with piano technicians to find ways to get into those instruments without damaging them, um, which is very important to me. I don't want to risk a, damaging a, a beautiful fine old cello. So I've worked with some wonderful people, some wonderful shops, you know, Lewis, E.D., KBB, Slice, to get into those instruments and really find perspectives that haven't been shot before. I don't know why I, it surprised me, really, because you've been working with so many instruments, but when I got to the didgeridoo on your website, I went, what? And it's actually really beautiful, very colourful. Yeah, that, that blew my mind. Um, so I, I was photographing a different instrument. This was for a private client, and he had this didgeridoo and, and just sort of casually mentioned, did you know that they're carved out by termites, not by hand? Um, and you know, I've played with didgeridoo players many times. I studied in Australia for a while, and I never had any idea. And, you know, looking at the inside of that, there's this extraordinary organic surface. It almost feels like a, a cave, um, especially when it's blown up large. That is probably one of the most interesting things I've ever photographed. One of the next projects I'm going to be doing is with Rob Thorne down in Wellington. So he has a collection of Taonga Puoro, the ancient Maori flutes. And some of those are carved out by insects. Some of them are uh, have been carved using sort of wooden tools and then cured with fire. So I, I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to get down there and have a look around. Yeah, that's going to be quite stunning. I mean, one of the things I love about when you're talking about this project is that you talk about there being endless instruments to photograph and each has its own story. And that's kind of what we're talking about too, isn't it? The, the story of the instrument. Yeah, and, and some of the stories aren't aren't that obvious. That cello that I photographed by Lockie Hill has kind of a, a tragic side to it. It was one of the last instruments that he made before he was executed for horse theft in 1790. So, uh, you know, just sort of reading, learning about these instruments, you know, not necessarily everything you see, but finding about about the makers and who they were and how they lived is also fascinating. There's another cello that I'm, I'm planning to photograph soon that was it's a couple hundred years old and it was once hit by a train and then put back together. So I'm 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 tremendously excited just to see, you know, how on earth they managed to, to do that and what's going on inside with all those repairs. I was just thinking what a personal story it is too, that you have private clients. Are these often clients who have instruments and they ask you to photograph them? Yeah, so I was working with this particular client. He wanted a portrait of his family. They're a family of, of musicians. And I, this was just after I'd photographed the inside of the saxophone, one of the first shots I'd done, and I thought, what if we actually worked with some sort of Photoshop magic and photographed the family inside one of their own instruments? So they're standing there. It hasn't happened with them yet, but I did do that recently with the composer Michael Williams from Hamilton, and we put him inside a, a beautiful 200-year-old cello from Noel Sweetman, who's a, a luthier I've known down there for many, many years. And it's, it's just a, an interesting point of interest. I, lo I love the idea that a, a musician can inhabit their own instrument. You know, part of, of 
playing music, whenever we're playing these instruments, you feel the vibrations of them sort of coursing through your body the whole time. And the idea that you could stand inside that instrument and feel it amplified and be right in the heart of it, that to me is quite exciting and makes for a, an interesting photograph. You're getting international attention for this um, Series 2, Charles. Has that surprised you? Yeah, yeah, completely. It, it, and it all came at once. So people are sending me articles from China, from Turkey, magazine print in Canada and Germany. It's it's absolutely all over the place. And, you know, it's it's a thrill. I just love that, that people are enjoying looking at my work. Have you come across any instruments that try as hard as you may you haven't been able to find the, the quality or the kind of photograph that you do these these cavernous shots have any defeated you yet i don't know if anything's defeated me but there's somewhere I've, I've sort of picked them up and we've tried to find an angle we've tried to find a shot and it just hasn't you know nothing's worked with the equipment that i've got However, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a neurosurgeon from the USA got in touch saying that he'd be interested in collaborating with some prototype endoscopes that he's working with. So there's a chance perhaps to maybe revisit some of these. Um, at the moment, I, uh, it's, it's sort of limited. You've got to have a, a horizontal view with a, a sort of long tunnel effect to be able to get into anything. So there's a, a whole bunch of instruments I can't photograph just as yet but I'm going to keep my mind working on that and, and see you know all, none of these photos were, were possible just a, a few years ago um, so technology is rapidly changing and that excites me as well. An endoscope I think that's really exciting what would be the first instrument that you would try an endoscope which one are you most desperate to get inside? I, I'd be very interested in seeing some of the more sort of mechanical instruments things like pianolas where you've got this mix of wood and pistons and bellows and all this kind of stuff. So to get into the inner workings of those, I think, would be absolutely fascinating. You are, as you mentioned, also um, very well known for your portraits of classical musicians. And what's your approach? I mean, I guess when I'm looking at the images, I just love the fact that they're, they're not in concert halls, you know, that you're often positioning them outside, you know, quite beautiful. I, I think that's the main thing. I, I mean, photographing someone in a concert hall, unless it's a particularly spectacular concert hall, it tends to look a bit dull. And of course, unless the concert hall is actually full of an audience, you don't want them, you know, you don't want a conductor standing there in an empty space. I'm also aware that a lot of portraits of classical musicians tend to be sit down, smile, hold the instrument. I, I really want to bring out some of the the drama in what they're doing and, and create some excitement for it. So for that reason, you know, half my portraits are of people flying or their instruments appear to be on fire or something along those lines, just to create a, a, both a point of difference and, and reflect the kind of energy of the music that they're playing. You know, when I, when I come across People that, that aren't familiar with classical music, often the first remark they say to me is, oh, I love classical music, it's so relaxing. And I, I just want to scream at them and say, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's fiery, it's terrifying, it's exciting, it's tragic, it's all these things all at once. And I want to get a little of that into the photos just to, to hopefully give them a glimpse, hopefully get them to, to come to some more concerts. 
And for this to work, you have to have complete buy-in, of course, by the musicians. And, of course, musicians are performers, so they, are, they, are, they must be a delight to work with. They understand what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, generally, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, they all tend to be quite extroverted people, and they're just thrilled to be doing something interesting and exciting. So I, I haven't had a, a bad shoot yet, I think. No one that I, I wouldn't go back and work with again. I've enjoyed every single one. Do you still have your primary cello, Charles? The one that you play? I have my cello. <laughs> um, I don't play it often. Actually, I've, I've got to play it at my own wedding on the 22nd, which is coming up very soon. Oh, congratulations. Um, and I'm getting kind of nervous about that. Thank you very much. But, you know, I, I was playing the cello at a, at a certain level that took a lot of effort to get to that point. And for me to pick it up now, I, I tend to get a little bit frustrated. I think it's like a, it probably happens to any kind of athletes as well. If you can't perform at the level that you're used to, you don't really want to perform. And for me to do that, I would have to be practicing six, seven hours a day and I'd have no time for photography. So at the moment, it's mostly sitting in the corner, but it'll, it'll come out for a, a little wedding march in a couple of weeks. I'm assuming that you have photographed it and if so have you learnt something does it help you understand your cello better to have been inside it actually I haven't I you know my my cello it's a a very utilitarian cello I was traveling all around the world my orchestras were in China in Patagonia and Brazil and I was flying all over the place and so I had to buy a relatively new instrument that could withstand all that travel, all the changes in temperature and that kind of thing that are not good for the instruments. When I went to photograph a cello, you know, I thought I'd really like to photograph something old and historic, something beautiful. And it just happened that the string instrument company had just had this instrument that had come in for restoration. And it was, it's a spectacular cello. It's absolutely beautiful. So I've gone with that. One day I'll get to mine, but there's a there's a long list of instruments to, to go through first. Charles Brooks. And if you get a chance, do have a look at his images on our or his web pages.